We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made the chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Welcome to Sox Machine Live. I am your host, Josh Nelson, alongside Jim Margulis. And uh, yeah, this is going to be a very happy episode of Sox Machine Live. Thank you to everyone that's watching the live stream on YouTube.com slash Sox Machine and also on the website, SoxMachine.com, as the Chicago White Sox just completed a sweep of the Minnesota Twins. The White Sox have now won six straight games. They're not just in first place in the American League Central. They have the best winning percentage in all of Major League Baseball. And Jim, you know, we started this season recapping the White Sox games. They were eight and nine. They had a tough series in Boston. It just didn't feel like the team was in rhythm. And then a couple weeks later, Luis Robert gets hurt, and that's a big sucker punch for White Sox fans. And now we're here, and mm-hmm. the White Sox have the best winning percentage in all of Major League Baseball. How are you feeling about the White Sox now after 35 games? 
Uh, pretty good, considering the Luis Robert injury felt like the second injury that they could absorb. We talked about like Eloy Jimenez when he went out. We thought, okay, the White Sox lost their one big gun for an extended amount of time. They might have a guy go on the IL here or there. But when it, you know, when it came to Robert missing and having Larry Garcia looking like a pitcher hitting and Billy Hamilton uh, not having anything to offer and Adam Eaton was banged up, it just didn't seem like there was any kind of answer, like any, any solution to that problem. And when you have those guys out for months, it eventually seems like it should catch up to you. But right now, it's, uh, if it's going to catch up to them, they've at least built a little bit of a cushion to have some ground to give should there be another sequence of absences that they can't quite, uh, you know, when they have a talent shortage, you know, maybe later on in the season. So, yeah, they're piling up the wins now against teams that are down, kicking them while they're down. Uh, we talked about last time saying, like, when you, know, when you look around the table and you don't know the sucker, it's you. Yep. And and we thought like okay maybe these teams don't look good, the White Sox should be able to win and they've trounced them <laughs> not only just uh, you know beaten them or swept them but just yeah you know, they were clearly the more talented team like they made mistakes and still looked better, so that's quite encouraging and I, I think you know even you know the White Sox like aren't like the Royals where they're like basically emptying out all their good luck and all their um, beautiful sequences in order to win games. They're winning games without while looking flawed and while making mistakes, and that's almost more encouraging. Yeah, you know, for the White Sox, the series started with the Minnesota Twins up 3-0. And just that really rough inning for Dylan Cease, Yohan Makata watches a, fly, a foul ball fall to the ground after he's not communicating with Yasmani Grandal. Uh, it, it, Cease gives up as far as a home run. And his lack of command on an 0-2 pitch, he hits the number nine hitter with the bases loaded. And it just felt like, oh, here we go again. Even though the Twins are not playing good baseball, the White Sox are not rising to the occasion. And then Yasmani Grandal hits that three-run homer to tie the game. And that really just sparked the offense for the White Sox. And I think that was maybe one of the pivotal moments of the series, Jim. Because you go from, as a White Sox fan, well, they're down 3 nothing, same old White Sox against the Twins. Grandel puts it into the seats. It's a tie game, and the White Sox run away with game one. And I just feel like that momentum from game one for the White Sox carried over through the rest of the games. I mean, in game two, Jay Happ, Jim, only allowed six runs in his first five starts. The White Sox put nine on him. And Michael Pineda always gives the White Sox a tough time. He gave the White Sox a tough time again in game three. But Tim Anderson set the tone with the first pitch leadoff home run. Jake Lamb hit a home run. And then Andrew Vaughn had a clutch hit. And then Yerma Mercedes also had a clutch hit, pinch hitting. But I, I go back to that Grandal home run. And I think that was the key moment of this series. And it's not something that turned around this series for the White Sox, but I think it set the tone in these three games against the Twins that no matter what, even if the Twins took the lead, uh, the White Sox were going to fire right back and in a big way that Minnesota could not recover. Well, especially with the way the White Sox are built at Grandall, Homer is huge just because, you know, Kenta Maeda, right-handed starter, the White Sox didn't look good against him or, you know, they looked pedestrian normal against them over the other four innings so capitalizing on that one opportunity with the left-handed bat who's supposed to help against right-handed pitching that was huge same thing like Pineda um you know right-handed pitcher and 
mostly shut the White Sox down, aside from Tim Anderson, of course, and Jake Lamb, of course. So, uh, you know, having those other four innings where Pineda more or less overpowered them, you know, there's still the signs there that the White Sox have, you know, need some improvements against right-handed pitching. But the good news is, uh, Twins have a bad bullpen, and the White Sox came into uh, came into the game like I want to see if they had like the third worst OPS in baseball against relievers um, in in general. Mm. And to uh, take a bad bullpen and pad some stats with it, like bring themselves back up to closer to average. Um, that's nice to see. That is very nice to see. Yeah. For the betting folks, the White Sox uh, lead the league in runs scored from the first to fifth inning. So if you're a big first five innings better, the White Sox are your friend. The White Sox before this series were last in runs scored from the sixth to ninth inning. So they were not your friend after the fifth inning. But I think after this series, the the numbers are going to change uh, because the Minnesota Twins bullpen, and, and that's going to be our next topic here, it is about the Twins because we do have to talk about this. They, I was expecting them to be the chief rival for the White Sox in the American League Central. And it still can happen because folks in Minneapolis, Jim, are trying to compare – the 2021 Minnesota Twins to the 2019 Washington Nationals, which for those that don't remember, uh, that Washington Nationals squad started 19 and 31 after the first 50 games, but still were able to turn it around, rebuild the bullpen on the fly and win the World Series. And one of the wackiest World Series in which the home team didn't win a single game in seven games. Uh, but that's what gives Minnesota Twins fans hope right now is that the Twins could have a similar turnaround like the Washington Nationals. There's just too much talent on this team uh, to be playing this poorly to already be 10 games back of the Chicago White Sox. And now at 12 and 23, it's really an eye-opening record. As a matter of fact, it's the worst record uh, in the American League. Uh, I don't think anybody was expecting to say that about the Minnesota Twins. And I, it does raise the question now after this series, Jim, and the White Sox have to go to Minneapolis next week after this weekend series against Kansas City. Are the Minnesota Twins a, a serious threat now in the American League Central? Uh, not right now. I think it's worth probably keeping them in mind just because they have enough injuries. It's not like they're just underperforming or, or guys are uh, – just you know, they they had a fluke year last year. I mean, they have they have name brand talent on the team. You know, uh, Cruz and Donaldson. But I think like losing Buxton uh, mm-hmm. when he looked like he had finally summoned all of his powers. If he's out for like a month or more versus like you know two to three weeks, that could put them behind. Like that could put them behind to such an extent that you know you're counting on him and and Snow and uh you know Kepler just all these guys who are just not quite there or not quite healthy all getting back to full strength at the same time when the starting rotation is okay but not great and when the bullpen is looking wobbly like Tyler Duffy has been I think probably the uh you know he's probably that bullpen's fulcrum in terms of he was kind of like their high leverage depth and him disappearing after Colomay bombed uh just really put their bullpen out of order. So they have a lot of things going on to where it's not just one thing that needs to get straightened out or one player who needs to come back. So that's why I think it's going to be, if they turn it around, I don't see it being like a quick surge. I think it's going to have to be like, you know, pretty much steady above averageness over the rest of the season or to pull back just because you're not going to see them, you know, like Cleveland can suppress a team, uh, some 
press like series of times just with their suffocating pitching and run prevention. Like the Twins don't have that. So I don't know how they stack up wins as long as so many guys are hurt or underperforming or underperforming because they're hurt. Yeah, and I think you mentioned this on Monday's show about the Twins' upcoming schedule where they have some series, they have back-to-back series against the Tigers and the Orioles, if I remember correctly. And maybe that's a moment that Minnesota can stack some wins. But again, they're 12 and 23, Jim. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to get some sweeps going. You're going to have to have multiple five game winning streaks uh, to be able to dig out of this hole. And I just, I don't know now. Like now getting an opportunity to watch them in person uh, and getting an opportunity to watch them obviously on the television during the games. I guess I'm just not afraid of this Minnesota Twins team or as concerned about this Twins team like I was mm-hmm. at before the season or even beginning of the season. I mean, this is a Twins team that started 5 and 2, Jim. Mm-hmm. 5 and 2 and now they're 7 and 21 in their last 28 games. Like that is a terrible stretch that they're on right now. And I don't know what the Twins do. I really don't as far as that front office. They have some difficult conversations they need to have tonight. And going into the weekend series of, one, how do we climb out of this hole? And two, the cost of climbing out of this hole, is it worth it? Or do we just regroup and give give it all we got in 2022? I mean, this is a serious conversation folks in Minneapolis have to have about this Minnesota Twins team. And the reason why us on Sox Machine Live, a show about the Chicago White Sox, are talking about it. Because if the Twins throw in the towel, that's going to make it a lot easier for the White Sox to win the American League Central, knowing that they only have to really go toe-to-toe with Cleveland. And after eight games, they have proven that they could force a stalemate despite how good that pitching staff is for Cleveland. Yeah, I'm looking at the standings right now. I think maybe the one thing that probably keeps Minnesota in it is that the wild card situation, like none of the other divisions are – really uh, top heavy, you know, they're like the East is pretty stout. Uh, The West is uh, sorting itself out to where it's, you know, Oakland and Houston at the top, but still nobody's really uh, padding stats against, uh, you know, that division, especially like if the angels get better and and take some wins from the uh, top of the division, that could be evened out. So I think there's room for the wild card for the, for Minnesota to still be in it, even if they're already double digit games back behind the white Sox. So uh, it would help, I guess, you know, if, uh, you know, I would say maybe Houston, you know, piled up wins to put the wild card out of reach or like the Yankees look like the Yankees were supposed to look all season long, although with their COVID outbreak, who, who knows right now, but it's, uh, yeah, it's the, the central's looking, yeah, like a two team race. I think Cleveland is tends to be underrated just because they always have a shortage of talent. They always have a lopsided lineup they always have uh, a pitcher they deal away like before it was a clevenger as kluber you know they just they they can shed a pitcher every year and kind of regenerate an arm in its place even if it's not as strong as the arm they lost so i you know i think they're worth taking seriously but the white Sox, like as long as they can you know pile up wins when teams uh present themselves as beatable uh you know they can they can keep the rest of the division at bay. And then I think it's just more of a matter of just, you know, horses against Cleveland's not necessarily having to beat them head to head, but just, um, you know, like you said, um, more or less breaking even against them and making sure that uh, uh, they don't do anything reckless to like lose multiple starters at a time or, uh, you know, 
and hopefully they stop bumping into each other in the field so they keep all the position players healthy too. <laughs> yeah, communicate on the field, guys. What What is it that you tweeted? Not I got it, or was it stand down? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the problem was Mankata you know, uh, stood down on the pop-up that dropped four feet away from him. So he's basically like one of those people, if you're walking uh, – in a hallway or something like that. And you kind of go left and then go right. And you're kind of doing a mirror image of each other, not getting out of the way. Yeah. It's uh that's kind of how he looks right now, but they definitely have to work on that somehow just because there've been enough of those to where like, I don't know if you do, but like when there's a pop-up and I see multiple fielders, like just drifting towards it, I'm telling TV, like call for it, 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 call for it. And they never listen, but it's not me. They got to they got to feed you a mic so they could hear you when they're on the field and then they'll know to to call for. Well it. then they'll both uh, peel off because they thought I called. <laughs> That's so true. That is so true. Well, I already mentioned it. The Chicago White Sox have the best winning percentage in all of Major League Baseball. And when you look at power rankings, you know, across multiple publications, the White Sox are in the top 3 if not the number 1 team on other publications, power rankings. It's been a long time since we have seen the White Sox this high on other publications, power rankings for Major League Baseball. So I have to raise the question, Jim, because they have the best winning percentage, but we also, we have made the cases over the years that the team with the best record is really not the quote-unquote best team. They are playing well and they're picking up wins, but they're not the strongest team or they're not the most well-rounded team. I have to ask after the first 35 question, uh, 35 games, are the White Sox the best team in Major League Baseball right now? Uh, I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm just you know, trying to think of, uh, of, of other rosters. Like I think the White Sox are there. I don't think they're clearly out-talenting. But they have enough pieces working right now. They have, you know, the 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 pitching staff is one through five. Bullpen's wobbly, but the pitching staff, uh, the starting rotation's uh, covering for it. The uh, lineup is deep enough and varied enough. I think that's the one thing that's uh, surprising is that the walks have held. Like uh, early on in the season when they're drawing walks, it seemed fluky. Like so many guys were going to do it. Your mean Mercedes is going to cool off. Uh, Vaughn looked overmatched, and I didn't know what they're going to do with left field. But I think with Vaughn stabilizing – with Mercedes looking like he can stay. Now it seems like they're they're pretty much yeah, I would say like yeah, I'm thinking like Houston. And when Houston was rolling like a lineup one through nine and, and they took walks from multiple places, or like Red Sox when before it like they traded Mookie Betts and they had guys that could make innings tough for pitchers up and down the lineup. I think the one thing that keeps me from saying the White Sox are the best is that they're ordinary against right-handed pitching. And, you know, like we saw with Oakland, if they can stack righties, like they, they started uh, Luzardo the one game and that was a bad idea, but Bassett shut them down. Fires didn't, but the rest of the right-handed relievers shut them down. So that still makes me a bit wary. And, you know, they, they're kind of ordinary against divisions other than the central. So that's the one thing that makes me think like there are certain elements of the schedule and handedness of other pitchers that make them look better than they are, but they're winning those games and other teams can't claim the same. So right now I think they're, I would say they're not the, they could be beat. They can be matched up against well, um, but all their elements are working probably better than anybody else's right now. On a talent level, I think the White Sox stack up with anyone in the American league at this moment, when you're just talking about pure talent level, 
but in all of Major League Baseball, I still feel like the Dodgers, the Padres, and even the New York Mets, they have more talent on hand than the White Sox do. Maybe that changes later in the season if Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez could return and join the White Sox squad. Maybe that levels it out. As far as to be able to say, yeah, the White Sox are World Series favorites, there is the part of me as a fan that really wants to believe that, but I'm always a hope for the best, prepare for the worst. And that part of my personality, Jim, is like, do not go crazy, Josh. Mm -hmm. Stay grounded. We got a long way to go, but I, I can't help feel but being really excited with the way that the White Sox are playing right now. But both sides of my personality are in agreement that if you're talking about the American League, I don't see anyone in the American League that I think is better than the Chicago White Sox at the moment. Even with even without Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez, and when they do return, it, again, I should say if I'm I'm being too optimistic, maybe. If they do return this season, then I, I think that could really boost as far as the overall talent level for the White Sox. And it, it'll put them in a position where, yeah, maybe the expectation is that they do win the American League pennant in 2021. Yeah, I think that Yankees-Cardinals stretch that's coming up um, the, yeah. uh, next weekend, I think that's going to tell me something in terms of just how they look against teams they didn't spend last year beating up on or last year getting to know um, the, 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 the right-handed pitching, like I said, with Oakland, they didn't see him at all last year. Chris Bassett shows up and, and uh, gets revenge on his former team. So uh, yeah, the, the central, the way the um, 60 game schedule and the central only schedule worked in their favor last year, it makes me just want to see them more against other teams. They haven't seen other teams that have right-handed starters that can go up against good right-handed bullpens just to understand, like, you know, it's, it's one thing, you know, if they're just better against lefties and righties, that's not unique. Um, and, and they're, if they're 500 against righties, that's okay. Whereas, you know, last year they were uh, under 500 against righties. So I think that makes a little bit of a difference, but it, it's just something that it's, it's something, you know, where, you know, as I mentioned in the last, uh, there, there were third from last when it came to performances against bullpens. That's something that's very easy to plan for in a postseason series. So if they can have more games like, or more series like this, where they do pound on a bullpen after keeping a right-handed starter honest, I think that'll make me feel like they're, they're a complete team. Well, speaking as far as complete team, this is the best start the Chicago White Sox have had. Since 2016, when that 2016 squad was 23 and 12 after 35 games, the 2021 squad is currently one game behind the 2016 squad with a 22 and 13 record. But whenever we bring up the 2016 Chicago White Sox, White Sox fans go into the fetal position and their stomach turns, or at least it does for me, because uh, we lived through that podcasting. Oh, those were the days. Anyways, uh, I think to try to settle White Sox fans' fears here when they hear about that this is the best start since 2016, how is 2021, Jim, different from the 2016 start? And maybe why the White Sox won't repeat what happened after the 2016 White Sox went off that terrific start. Well, you know, I, I think they're just deeper across the board, deeper when it comes to rotation being more than uh, Salem Quintana and then hoping that, uh, you know, Miguel Gonzalez and Carlos Rodon hold up. Uh, they're better up the middle when it comes to, um, you know, instead of going from DeAndre Navarro and uh, 
young Tim Anderson and JB Shuck in center. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, center field's still a bit weak, but I mean, they still have like, you know, all-star Tim Anderson, all-star Yasmani Grandal, uh, Nick Madrigal, who's, you know, maybe not an all-star this year, but, you know, I, I think we'll probably make a couple um, just because I think, uh, you know, he does, he will have his fans just as baseball gets more strikeout oriented. I think he will be uh, popular enough to, to win some of those contests, but they're, they're stronger up the middle. They have uh, more power and more, um, you know, more plate discipline. You know, we've talked about it know, how many times over the years like, that they can't keep the line moving. They're keeping the line moving mm-hmm. and not in a bad way. Like, you know, early on, it seemed like it was a little bit iffy because they're just drawing walks before like, Larry Garcia came to plate or somebody grounded to a double play and they're just kind of delaying the inevitable, but now they're actually striking. And, uh, you know, like Andrew Vaughn comes up with a big hit when they, uh, kind of try to set up the inning to pick up, uh, pick on him. I mean, Mercedes comes off the bench in a well-timed, uh, pinching appearance and, you know, has that two strike approach that works. So they're pretty, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty deep and they're pretty, even if they're weak against right-handed Batters, they don't have dead innings or guys who you completely give up on. So uh, they also seem to have a better leadership structure <laughs> at 2016. <laughs> reading about Todd Frazier, revisiting him because um, he's he was always just a yeah. He struck me as a weird dude, um, kind of fundamentally. I wouldn't say phony, but just like he was strangely popular among. Like, he was huge in Cincinnati but he was never that huge anywhere else. And like reading the inquirer stories about how he's still Cincinnati fan favorite, like four teams later. I don't know if there's like something where he's like living in the past with a role on a former team and just hasn't been able to recapture the glory, but yeah, just there's always something weird about him to where when he got in a fight with Eden, Eden, I was like, yeah, he's, he got a good line in on Eden, but he also like searched his name on Twitter and blocked people who never talked to him. <laughs> yeah, me too. He's the only <laughs> player I know that's blocked. Just kind of something a bit off with you if you're just like, you know, trying to find things to get mad at or fans to be unhappy with. So uh, to see him just uh, kind of grumble his way out of Pittsburgh, picking fights in and out of the roster, just uh, they just had a lot of things wrong with them. And I think this, uh, yeah, I think part of the benefit of the rebuild is having players probably have bad stretches where they get tired of each other or have to learn how to deal with each other or adjust their personality somehow where I think that does make sense versus having uh, like players coming from five different, different directions, thinking that this is the way you do things. And then when things start going poorly, nobody takes control because uh, nobody's actually in charge or listening to one another. Yeah. The Chicago white Sox in 2016, after their 23 and 10 start, they went five and 15 from May 9th through May 30th. So they had a 17 and eight record after April, and then they didn't have a winning record for any of the months after that season. I am reliving the past. I remember those podcasts that we did when went 23, 23 and 10 to 10 and 23. Yeah. Just uh, uh, glory days. Uh, We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Go back and listen to those podcast episodes. That that is that's angry Josh and angry Jim uh, back in the day as far as uh, reading and uh, as far as those yeah, podcasts. Robin, yeah, and also like you know, say what you will about Tony Larusa, but he commands a certain level of respect and yes. has a certain level of knowledge that you know Robin Ventura never developed, and it's not Ventura's fault. Like he was asked to manage off the couch like you know that was the white Sox fault for hiring him and then keeping him as long as they did so uh but yeah say what you will about larusa but at least he's he's done it before right we're not expecting an epic collapse in 2021 i think short and sweet that's the difference between now and 2016 so if you are one of those white Sox fans that is concerned or worried thinking that maybe the White Sox in 2021 will drop like the 2016 White Sox, I will advise you not to have that fear. I don't see that happening. Uh, I think maybe we should have been seeing that happening after the Luis Robert injury, and we haven't. So I think everything's going to look up for the White Sox in 2021. Maybe that's the optimist in me speaking, but I feel pretty confident after this series sweep against the Minnesota Twins. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. And now we go to our next topic in Sox Machine Live. This was pretty big news released prior to the game started uh, for the Chicago White Sox just right before first pitch. And that is going to be the capacity expansion uh, for White Sox games for the upcoming season. And we got this news first from one of our friends, uh, Scott Merkin, on the beat And Scott Merkin tweeted out that following approval from city and state leadership and public health officials, the Chicago White Sox will increase capacity to 60 percent, approximately 24,300 fans at guarantee rate field beginning Monday, May 24th versus the St. Louis Cardinals. As Jim mentioned, that is a pretty big series. Uh, There'll be a lot of folks traveling up from St. Louis to also watch that game. Cardinals fans do travel well, especially Cardinals fans in southern Illinois. And uh, also great timing because the White Sox are at home for Memorial Day weekend, which is a four-game series against the Baltimore Orioles. So great opportunity as well for White Sox fans to pack guaranteed rate field. And uh, Jim, you know, we both have gone to baseball games recently. You were in Birmingham uh, for those games, and you were just at a National Sounds game. And mm-hmm. the three games I've been to have been a guarantee rate field. And I have to say the White Sox have been doing a very good job as far as handling the crowds, making it try to make it as easy as possible, knowing that there are going to be restrictions in place. Everyone's in their bubble. They're keeping it 
below 9,000 fans. And even though it's just a spattering of fans in a big stadium that can hold 35,000 people, the White Sox fans have been very loud at these games and it's, it's a great atmosphere. But now that the city of Chicago, and we're seeing it across the country, where even like the Milwaukee Brewers after June 25th are going to allow 100% capacity, I'm not sure when that's going to happen in Chicago. But for opposing teams and even the White Sox when they're on the road, how do you think having these larger crowds now after a season we didn't have any crowds until the World Series will impact games? It seems like it should be back to normal, back to what they're used to. But yeah, as you mentioned, uh, the crowds do seem a little bit more intense, a little more lively. So you could see some more guys get rattled or if you know you have cases where you have like a, uh, one thing that's been a trend around the league is hit by pitches being up across baseball. And I don't mm-hmm. know if it's just adrenaline, um, you know, inexperienced guys throwing too hard, not having command, but just that's something where I thought, you know, perhaps that's where um, just some nerves could possibly factor in just some perhaps bad blood coming through thing i'm kind of fascinated by with the white Sox, you know limiting their capacity to 60 or, or i should say limiting but upping their capacity to twenty four thousand. are those games gonna sell out still are there is there gonna be like the the feeling of scarcity to where it drives fans who said like oh i can get a ticket anytime and never do is that gonna drive fans to feel like they need to get in on it is will the layoff um you know, affect the way that uh fans buy tickets through the rest of the summer, just going a summer without games. So, uh, because, you know, as the, you know, I think right now we're seeing stadiums get smaller, trying to to extract more money per fan across baseball. And as, you know, the White Sox probably enter another round of stadium negotiations at the end of the decade, you know, are they going to look at, like, say this this time where 24,000, you know, the capacity is limited to 24,000 and say like, well, we could... Yeah, maybe thirty thousand is a sweet spot now, <laughs> and we just try yeah. to make it as expensive as possible, or you know, try to make it as luxurious an experience as possible for those thirty thousand fans who show up. Um, that's a that's a byproduct I could see from this if they go through the whole summer, and you know, uh, a team that might have drawn nineteen to twenty thousand for uh, thirty five thousand seats now maxes out, you know, at 24, you know, upwards of 30,000, just because they, they, there's a cap on it that wasn't there before and fans feel inspired. Hmm. Well, from a White Sox perspective, I mean, for the series that they had at home at home against Cleveland for those 9,000 tickets, those did sell out. They mm-hmm. sold out their allotment. I think for the St. Louis series, they will sell quite a few tickets, but I don't think they're going to technically sell out unless you have a lot of Cardinals fans traveling for that game Uh, for the Memorial day weekend series. I'm going to be quick on the trigger because a lot of my friends and family want to go catch a white Sox game, especially those that haven't caught the white Sox game and they've gotten their second vaccine shot. uh, And they are now beyond the two week period after the second vaccine shots. They want to start getting back to normal with their lives and, going back to games that they want to go. And I'm expecting that weekend series against the Orioles to sell very well for the White Sox and that at least 20,000 fans are going to be in attendance. And I will miss the short beer lines because Mm -hmm. right now, if I want a beer, I just clock up and boom, I can get a beer immediately. Now there's going to be lines everywhere. It's been uh, nice. It's, you know, uh, and it's nice to know, like it's kind of depressing when you go to a game and you know, it's maybe only a couple thousand people there. 
but it's nice when you know that's all they can allow and then you get all the benefits of the space and short lines and and decent parking and everything like that so uh you know you see teams rushing back to 100 percent in some areas and i'm fine if they just do a gradual uh, well, i mean for a few reasons i'm fine just with a gradual ramp up towards 100 percent, just to you know kind of i guess somewhat like scientific method like just okay it worked here let's push it up a bit more, just stress test the system, stress test the vaccines and just how people gather because this is new for everybody. So, you know, it feels like, you know, just a gradual process is fine, but also just enjoy the benefits of limited capacity, especially when it's like, you know, uh, 9,000 fans or whatever, it'll be 24,000 starting you know, shortly. But when you have like 9,000 loud fans or 24,000 loud fans, that, that makes it more fun. So just, I would say, uh, I, I wouldn't be mowing the White Sox for being slower than everybody else. Just enjoy the unique perks of the situation while they last. Yeah, and the White Sox, what is unique is that they're using from our friends uh, sections 108 and 109 to be the area where if you are vaccinated, restrictions are lifted. And uh, I'm going to be testing this. I'm going to the Friday night game two of the doubleheader, which we'll preview here in a moment against the Kansas City Royals. I have gotten my second vaccine. I'm beyond the two weeks of my second vaccine. Uh, so I'm going to try this. I, I bought tickets for in the section 108. So if you are a fellow White Sox fan that will be there, you can you can say hi to me and I'll say hi back and we can enjoy sitting next to each other instead of every other row or uh, separated by complete different roles rows uh, in the stadium so that that section of the stadium is going to be packed and the weather's getting warmer i have to wear glasses at night when watching the, when watching baseball so it'd be nice to be able to watch a game maskless and and not have to worry and uh fans will be getting a bracelet so when you check in and you show proof that you have your vaccination card uh you'll get a bracelet so everybody in the stadium knows that you have your vaccine card and you mm. have been checked through kind of like attending parties and they they want to check your id to make sure you're 21 and if you're 21 they give you a bracelet so when you go to the bar they don't have to check your id uh so if people are like why don't you have a wear why aren't you wearing a mask you just show your bracelet and and, and you're fine so i'm going to be mm. testing this out and uh I, I think it's a good way to as far as get back to normalcy, that's what the CDC is pushing for now. You're not required to wear a mask when you go outside or be inside if you have gotten your second vaccine and you're beyond the second week. I totally get if people want to still, mm -hmm. uh, but I, I'm ready to watch a baseball game and not having to wear a mask because as the weather warms up and your face gets sweaty, it's not going to be pleasant. <laughs> so, like, yeah, did you, did you see the uh the note about how they're paying uh fans to get vaccinated at Sox games i did not yeah, yeah uh, in that press release uh down lower it says beginning may 24th the white Sox will offer two vaccination sites for fans located at a guaranteed rate field every fan who receives a vaccination before game will receive a 25 dollars white Sox gift, gift card nice uh, for use inside the ballpark the white Sox will also promote vaccinations to the public through scoreboard and public address announcements and game promotional reads by announcers signs inside and outside the ballpark the dan ryan message boards and various social media platforms so i, I saw fans kind of griping about it saying uh you know like well you know i got vaccinated weeks ago months ago i just you know got my second shot like where's my 25 dollars can i get it and <laughs> I kind of look at that. I, what came to mind is like when they're talking about like canceling student loans or student loan debt, like shortly after I paid mine off and you just have to say like, it's, it's the greater good thing here. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, even if you don't get 25 bucks, just 
it's good. You know, ultimately, whatever whatever gets numbers up, whatever gets mm-hmm. uh, uh, the population up. Because as we're seeing, like with the Yankees um, right now, that just you know the efficacy for shots like isn't a hundred percent. It's not foolproof, but I mean, just everybody having the shot makes it easier on everybody. So even if uh, you know occasionally you know it does slip through some defenses, it's not as severe. Um, you're not as likely to spread it to other people. So just yeah, it, I think. Whatever helps people, if it if it takes cold hard Comiskey cash to get it done, like so be it. That's two beers. Twenty five bucks is two beers at the stadium. I think so. they said. I think it's a Brooks Boyer said a shot in two beers. It's not a shot in two beers, Brooks. You got to understand your pricing, bud. It's not <laughs> a shot in two beers. It's like a shot and maybe a Coke. The hard liquor is expensive at Guaranteed Rate Field. They have the Jack Daniels bar. Where you mm-hmm. remember the Xfinity bar? Yeah. They re they rebranded to Jack Daniels. So you can get as far as whiskey drinks and, and hard liquor at the Jack Daniels bar. And uh yeah, it's not it's not two beers in a shot. I don't know what kind of beers you're drinking, um, but you're not drinking anything that I would want to drink. So I, well, but no, it I is meant, two beers. Meant, well, the shot was the vaccination. Oh <laughs> I am on the same page now. Yeah. I got it. I got it. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry, Brooks. You are correct. It is a <laughs> shot in the arm and two beers. That is absolutely true. So if you haven't gotten the vaccine yet and you're listening here and uh, just because places near you uh, don't have them and you want to go to the White Sox game and their next home stand with the bird teams coming in St. Louis and Baltimore, it sounds like a great offer. So Go to a game, get the, I think it's, is it the J and J shot, the Johnson and Johnson shot? I believe so. So you're one and done. So you didn't have to be like me with the Pfizer shot and have to go once. And then three weeks later, you get one shot, you're good. And uh, you get two beers. So that's pretty awesome. That's an awesome deal. I'm glad the White Sox are doing that. And uh, yeah, go ahead and do that as well. If you haven't gotten vaccinated and take advantage of that opportunity. We're going to switch gears here as far as in Sox Machine Live and talk about the upcoming series as the Kansas City Royals come back and visit the Chicago White Sox. But before we do, a quick word from our other sponsor for this episode, Clear. Clear is a secure identity platform that creates frictionless journeys at airports and beyond. You can move faster through airport security and feel confident returning to who, where, and what you love. With Clear, all you need is you. After a quick one-time enrollment with your government-issued ID, you can just use your face for eye or eyes for safer, touchless entry at airports, stadiums, and more. I frequently use Clear at the airport. I signed up pre-pandemic at the New Orleans airport. I worked with the Clear ambassador who helped me complete my registration. And Clear makes the process of checking through security really effortless. I don't have to fumble around my bag to dig out my wallet. Just a quick snapshot of my face and I'm good to go. And this will also work great for stadiums. And there's rumors that Major League Baseball stadiums could be using Clear soon. My Clear ID works on their network across the nation. So when I am flying, I'm always looking for Clear kiosk, no matter what airport I'm traveling out of. The good news, we'll be able to fly again and go on vacations. The bad news, everyone is going to be flying as soon as possible. The airports are going to be crazy packed, which means security is going to be crazy packed. So do what I did and sign up for Clear. There's even family plans that start at $50 per person for the entire year. And kids under the age of 18 can tag along for free. Those that have TSA PreCheck, I've got TSA PreCheck too, and I still use Clear. It's worth it. 
For a limited time, you can get your first two months free with Clear by visiting clearme.com slash socksmachine and use promo code socksmachine. That's C-L-E-A-R-M-E dot com slash socksmachine for your first two months of Clear for free. Make your next trip at the airport fast, safe, and easy as possible using Clear. And again, don't forget our promo code at clearme.com slash socksmachine when signing up. All right. Let's talk about this upcoming series as the Chicago White Sox have won six straight games. And now it's time to face the Kansas City Royals again, in which the White Sox swept them last weekend. And looking at the pitching problems for this series, Friday is a doubleheader. So these two games are seven innings apiece. Starting at 2.10 p.m. Central Time, it will be Lucas Giolito for the Chicago White Sox. For the nightcap at 7.10 p.m. Central Time, and with White Sox Finding out that Michael Kopech's going to be starting, Jim, I'm expecting a lot more tickets to be sold for Friday night's game to watch Kopech make another start for the White Sox. On Saturday, May 15th at 6.10 p.m. Central Time, it is Carlos Rodon against Mike Miner and not displayed for those watching on YouTube on Sunday for the Kansas City Royals. It's going to be Brady Sinner there 2018 first round pick and he'll be going up against Dylan Cease for the White Sox in which Cease was very good against Kansas City in his last outing. Now before we started this show Alec Lewis the beat reporter of the Kansas City Royals for the Athletic uh, tweeted out that Brad Keller is going to start game one for the Royals against Lucas Giolito and Jacob Junis is going to start game number two for Kansas City. And Jim, for the Royals, they have lost 11 straight games. They got swept by the Detroit Tigers. I don't know what's going on in Kansas City, but boy, they could use a series against a non-American League Central foe at this moment, but that's Mm -hmm. not going to happen. They got four games in three days against the White Sox. The White Sox are red hot, looking to continue their winning streak, and Kansas City's desperately looking to snap their losing streak. With this series, as far as which directions both teams are going, how are you feeling for the White Sox chances of continuing this winning streak against Kansas City? Yeah, it feels pretty good. I mean, double headers can always be weird because mm-hmm. the, you know, seven inning games plus the strategy of trying to save pitchers that, you know, if Lucas Giolito gets roughed up, say if he, you know, his his rough stretch continues, you can see them trying to conserve arms behind a Michael Kopech start and just you know, either wearing it, not being as aggressive with bullpen maneuvering. So a uh, double header can, you know, throw wrenches into the works. On the other hand, the White Sox have been good in double headers. So I'd rather have them play double header against Kansas city than extra innings. So I, I generally like the way it's looking. Um, you know, they are starting three righties against the White Sox. Uh, so like, as we talked about at the top of the show, just, Better performances against righties. You know, Keller held them hitless through four last time around. So I think it's uh, generally something where the, the Royals pitching staff will keep them honest, will force them to deal or manage their flaw. And, and the hope is that, uh, you know, keep getting decent performances from Garcia and Hamilton and, you know, Grandal, just the lefties who have been brought in to occasionally have some at-bats against guys. I think they'll need to keep showing up because, you know, Andrew Vaughn's his his platoons uh, splits are lopsided. Uh, Breu's splits are lopsided. Like some guys are dealing with righty and righty issues. So having those lefty step up, Moncada's another one. Mm-hmm. Just uh, better performances against you know ordinary right-handers, I think, would go a long way. For the White Sox bullpen, they have had to put in some innings, especially the last two games, Lance Lynn and Dallas Keuchel. 
not going too deep in their starts. Lance Lynn's pitch count really racked up on him in his five innings in game three. He had, I'm glad you made that gift. That was quite the moment to get out of that jam for Lance Lynn, just that barbaric roar uh, that he had <laughs> after getting that key strikeout. But the bullpen has had to pitch quite a few innings these last two games for the White Sox. And having two games in one day, if they were nine inning games, I would be worried in the sense of, man, this bullpen's going to get tired real quick. Mm-hmm. But I think this is where the benefit is. That's a seven-inning game, and he got Lucas Giolito going game one. And listen, we're hoping that he can bounce back uh, from the pitcher's list. There was a really good article looking at Lucas Giolito's struggles because we talked about this on Monday's episode of the Sox Machine podcast on why is Lucas Giolito, quote-unquote, struggling? He, he's just not his normal self or the expected self that we had for him to be a American League Cy Young contender. And the pitcher's list made a good observation that his release point is different in 2021 than it has been in 2019 and 2020. So I, I'm I'm hoping that there's some type of physical adjustment, Jim, that we see from Lucas Giolito in that first game of the doubleheader, because just like how Yasmani Grandal's home run set the tone for that series against the Twins, I think Giolito Stark could also set the tone for the White Sox in this upcoming series. Because if he goes back and he makes that adjustment with the release point, and he's 2019-2020 Lucas Giolito, I expect him to dominate against the Kansas City Royals in that first game. And if he can go six or even pitch a complete game all seven innings, I think that really helps out the Chicago White Sox for the weekend because I'm I'm pretty high on Michael Kopech as well, going at least five innings against the Royals hmm. over that weekend. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm thinking more for Kopech, like four would be a nice start for him just based on his usage and going back to one inning roles, like not getting too carried away. But yeah, Giolito, I mean, uh, cease through a complete game in a seven inning start uh Mm -hmm. so you know i I think when he somebody like him does that somebody with his efficiency issues the door is open for somebody like giolito to do it and you know the the release point is one thing you know the velocity is down a little bit so the i think he's fighting a few different things but the release point seemed like the big one because that was also affecting his sliders effectiveness and and how it was coming out of his hand and how it was spinning on him so if his velocity is going to be down uh you know just not overpowering with the fastball I think having that slider there is probably his way out of this little funk he's in. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, having a pitch here, you can throw like maybe 20% of the time rather than uh, 14 and only when he's ahead of the count and throwing his waist pitches. Like having it as a strike grabbing pitch, a swing and miss pitch when he needs to would be uh, would be a boon for him and just get people off his changeup. So you think, well, I guess, how long do you think the leash is for Kopak in game two? Uh, I, I think it's, it depends on, it's more about stress during the inning. Okay. Um, you know, if he throws like a 30 pitch inning, I think his leash will be shorter. If he throws like, you know, between 10 and 20 pitches for, you know, four innings, if he's like at 60 pitches, but hasn't really, you know, had any high stress, uh, innings that can see him going five, but I can see it if he, you know, piles up a couple of, uh, jams early and you gets through, uh, he's like at 65 pitches through, um, four, but he, like his last inning was a, uh, 30 pitcher. Mm-hmm. Then I could see them being, you know, more conservative in that regard, especially if the bullpen is well rested from game one. Yeah. I think he goes five, he goes five inning. Cool. I, I'm just being confident right now. I'd I think he's going to pitch well enough to go five. Yeah, yeah. no, I'd, I'd like to see that. And, and it's possible. It seems like he's, 
He's wobbled a little bit. I mean, he wasn't going to be as strong as he was for the first month, expecting that for the full season. Uh, but it seems like he he had a little bit of a sharpness issue. So hopefully that's behind him and the Royals are soft enough to where he can use them to uh, bounce back. Any concern about Carlos Rodon with his start being pushed back to Saturday for some hamstring tightness? Uh, yeah, just because it's Carlos Rodon. <laughs> just... There's all you know. There, there's all often been something with him. I guess the good news is it's not arm. Uh, the bad news is like you know legs can lead to arm issues if mechanics are changed. So I guess sure. you know I would I would rather see them be cautious about it uh, and um, you know be able to if pushing them back solves the problem and avoids the cascade issue where uh, leg injuries beget arm injuries. Then sure, fine. Um, but just given that's Rodan, given that it seems too good to be true, you just hope this isn't the other. Uh, shoe falling. Well, we will be recapping this series between the Chicago White Sox and the Kansas City Royals on Monday. Sox Machine Podcast, and uh, again, the the in the, the Royals, I should say, are an eleven game losing streak. And if the White Sox sweep this series, yeah, the White Sox are at a ten game winning streak, and this is awesome. Life couldn't be better as a White Sox fan. But I can't imagine the Royals going on a 15-game losing streak, especially the way that they have started the season, mm-hmm. Jim. Man, that that would just completely deflate the balloon on any enthusiasm Royals fans had uh, after the way they started this season. It, it's, you know, I, I guess I've seen Kansas City frustrate uh, the White Sox enough. and, and, <laughs> and, and, and no mercy. Oh, yeah, no mercy. And also, like, when... <laughs> Uh, you know, the Robin Ventura years when they're trying to build something, the Royals were the team to really turn the screws on to embarrass them to make, you know, Ventura and the White Sox look completely overmatched. So if the White Sox give it back to them, great. Yeah. And the White Sox have been very good against Kansas City the last two seasons. And again, we'll be recapping that series for the Sox Machine podcast after the weekend on Monday. Uh, And maybe we'll do some Twitter spaces as well. So that's why you should follow us on Twitter. We're at Sox Machine. You can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. Getting great feedback on the Twitter spaces. So I hope that you are enjoying that. And uh, maybe we'll do some more over the weekend. Maybe I'll drag Jim into a Twitter space. We'll chat a little bit before game or or after a game on Twitter and bring in some of our other friends as well from White Sox Twitter. So again, follow us on Twitter. We're at Sox Machine. You can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. For those that watch the live stream of Sox Machine Live, first, thank you. Second, if you haven't already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Sox Machine. If you don't get an opportunity to watch the live stream or if you'd rather listen to Jim and I talk to you than watch us, Sox Machine Live is always recorded and uploaded into our podcast feed, which you can subscribe to the Sox Machine podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy our work and want more, think about signing up to being a friend at patreon.com slash Sox Machine, where we have several different tiers of support at $2 a month, $3 a month, $5 a month, and $10 a month, which you get an ad-free version of the podcast as well as the website, exclusive content as well, additional content with bonus PO Sox questions for every Monday Sox Machine podcast episode, and also our first crack at our Sox Machine swag. So again, if you enjoy our work and you want more, go to patreon.com slash Machine to sign up today. Sox Machine Live is a production of SoxMachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. 
alongside Jim Margulis. I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for watching and listening. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.